0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. We are joined now by Steve Cleveland on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So the Utah Jazz couldn't be hotter. They're leading the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. Is this sustainable?
1: Uh, yeah, you know it is. I, I, you know we talked about this last week, but I mean they, they are playing uh, <clears throat> a lot of teams under 500. The next seven games they play, the last three they played have all been under. So they're going to play ten games of teams that are below 500. So that that probably to a certain degree impacts it as well. But the one thing about shooting is that once you get confident, that that basket seems like it's four feet wide. And they are shooting the ball well, So I would, I would think that it will continue to maybe not quite at the clip or pace it is right now, but I think they're a very confident basketball team. and these next seven or eight games, again, with teams that are under 500, even some of them on the road, it's always tough to win on the road. They continue shooting like that. Um, you know, they got the potential to be 30 and 12 here in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. Probably won't happen. You're probably going to have a hiccup or two maybe on the road, but uh, they're playing well. Uh, they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's winning against teams that they're better than.
2: This three-point shooting obviously has been sensational, but one of the lost arts is the mid-range, and it seems like Mitchell has perfected that, and rather than continue to do the floater and maybe take something in traffic, if you break the defense a little bit, pull up, and for whatever reason, he is just awesome at that, and I'm looking for that to continue as far as him using that as opposed to the floater. How much better do you think that shot is than to shoot the floater when you're on the run?
1: Well, I, I mean, for me personally, uh, that when I played, you know, that shot didn't exist, and, and it, over the last few years it's become a really popular shot. But for me, just having been a player, that pull-up, whether it's at 10 feet, 12 feet, or 15 feet, you just more—it just seems like you're way more balanced, and it's uh, something that you've done over and over. Uh, so it, for, for me, I, I know that at, the, at every level—high school, junior college, Division One, the NBA—everybody's shooting that floater because it's a pretty popular shot. Uh, but for me, you're right. Donovan Mitchell has. You know, he, he can just stop and pop and, and pull up. And he's got such explosiveness that uh, he's never going to have a, par, a hard time getting that off, even when he's playing against larger defenders. So, personally, I, I love that shot. I know that everything is about the three and, or, or a layup, and that permeates everything from high school through the NBA today. That's kind of the way people play. But um, I, I think having that part of your game and having that being part of your offensive structure – it's something that makes you a little bit different today, and uh, it, it's a really effective way to knock shots down, especially when your legs get tired late in the game. Rather than taking a three that maybe uh, fatigue is set in, uh, you take that little pull-up 12-footer and your money. So there are a number of guys in the league that shoot that shot, but not, not, uh, it's, it's not something that is as uh, popular and prevalent as it was 20 years ago.
0: You coaches, you always end up chasing your tail, right? One guy makes an adjustment, then you adjust to his adjustment, and he adjusts to your adjustment, and it just keeps going on and on until everybody's head can spin. So the Jazz were running pick and rolls, and they were getting Rudy an NBA record number of dunks, and Donovan Mitchell was getting layups. So teams decided, well, we're just going to have our big guy drop back into the paint, and we're taking that stuff away. So the Jazz... Tried Jeff Green, but he was only making 32% of his threes. So now they're playing Niang at the four. He sets the pick in the pick and roll. And if the big guy drops him the paint, which he keeps doing, Niang gets a wide-open three, so he goes five for eight in Orlando. I know. So what's the adjustment? Is it going to be to bring the big man back out? Are we going to start seeing more Rudy Dunks and more Donovan mitchell layups, Or are they just going to let Niang shoot threes forever, and this guy's going to uh, get wide-open shots the rest of his life?
1: You know, I think you make adjustments as a coaching staff and you're in-game, coach. you know, adjustments happen all the time. And, you know, the fact that Nang had 17 and Moody had 13 at Orlando, I mean, that that isn't something that you would have expected. And had they not done that, they'd probably lose Orlando. Uh, but it, it's it's what happened. They they took what they were given. Um, I think that, is, that just instills so much confidence when coaches tell a guy that hasn't been playing significant minutes – Hey, take that shot. That's one you can make. But uh, there, there are going to be adjustments, and I, I don't think that's going to change—in from game adjustments to game-to-game adjustments. But yeah, I, I think you do. You always try to force people that uh, you know are averaging twenty-five, twenty-six points. You know, let's let's make somebody else beat us. I mean, that—that's a very popular phrase. Let's have someone else beat us. And in that case, against Orlando, those two did. Played a huge impact. And. Uh, so anytime you have that kind of versatility and you have that flexibility to play different ways with different personnel, you know, whether it's starters or off the bench, and that had that kind of depth and confidence. And, and the thing about it right now is, is that this is such a great stretch where, you know, you're, you're, you're not playing the elite teams in the league. Not to, hey, listen, you can be beat by anybody in this league. There, there, there are pros on every team. And if you don't come prepared to, to play, you're going to get beat. But this is a wonderful time, with about half the you know the games left after this, to be playing with the greatest confidence that they have. And um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I still don't think I, think. I think, right now, you know, they're within a game of being in second place. One, you know, one loss from the difference between second and fifth right now. But they're, they're certainly putting themselves in a position to uh, to maybe have a first round home game.
2: So I think this year, if Gobert doesn't make the All Star team, it's an absolute joke. What do you think?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we, we we see him and watch him, and he, he just changes the game. And uh, and and sometimes, you know, whether it's rebounds or blocks or whatever, but just his presence alone—whether he blocks a shot or not—but people have to change their shots. Uh, he, he just he has a, such a presence there that uh, offensively and defensively, that's so unique. Not very many players like Rudy. I mean, there's some bigs that do certain things, but uh, he's so long and athletic. And, uh, you know, he just always seems to come ready mentally and emotionally to play. You don't see him just kind of draw. Even if he doesn't score a lot, he's always there at the defensive end, which makes Utah pretty special because you just can't do this with, with, you know If you, if you don't you know, I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers, you know they obviously have some superstar power. And, uh, and I, I think we've, we've got some superstars in the making. Certainly, Donovan Mitchell is one of the top players in the league. But if you don't have that, you've you got to be able to defend. And, uh, and the teams that defend in this league and execute like Utah are, are, are the ones that are going to be in you know, the top two or three of each of the, of the conferences. And Utah's proven they've been a pretty good defensive team. Now, offensively, they're doing special things. And ironically, they're kind of doing it without Conley. I, I haven't heard when, – when is Conley expected back?
0: Very quiet on that front. No guarantees. Oh, the fact okay. he already came back once and he was hurt by the third quarter, I think they're going to be really patient, really conservative, and I don't think they want to put anything out there. Ever since the Carlos Boozer – uh, thing lingered and Jazz fans got really bitter at Boozer in a way they rarely get bitter at Jazz fans uh, the Jazz have been really careful about any expectations for players to come back and that's going back a good, decade. It's a good
1: time to rest him you know it's a really good time to rest him now you get confident guys and he comes back uh, there's not as much pressure on him to immediately have to you know perform he, he can kind of transition into that situation be kind of seamless and, uh, and everybody else has gotten better while he's been out.
0: So you've got the Fresno State connection with uh, Paul George. And the Clippers over the weekend gave up 140 points and lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. And then gave up 45 points to the Knicks in the first quarter. And I know NBA guys get hot. I know they came back and won the game 135-132. But Doc Rivers' head's got to be exploding. 272 points in two games against lottery teams at home. What is going on? You know, I mean, obviously Paul's been playing the one game, and and
1: he is a big part of what they do defensively. It's a long season, and you know, it seems like that the Clippers, you know, when 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 they they don't play like that when they're playing the Lakers or playing, I mean, you know, the, the top teams. And what's happened? It just it just seems in the last week or two that they get really up for certain games, and and there's kind of an immaturity with that team right now defensively, where. They just kind of go through the motions, and, and they do have a lot of weapons. And the, the fact that Paul or, or, or Kawhi can fit and they can still win games because Lou Williams is going for 25 or Harrell's going for 20, you know, Harrell's going for 25. I mean, they've got a lot of guys that can score, but I don't know. It, it, it just, they have just been going through the motions, and they can't play like that. I mean, you can't there, – there's no question in my mind that they can beat anybody in this league on any given day, any place, because they have depth and they play hard. But it's just interesting. It seems like when they play the marquee teams, they, they really get up and they compete. And then they just kind of look past it. And that, that's kind of an immature, uh, youthful type thing. So I'm sure Doc is going crazy, and they're probably getting an earful. But that, that's unbelievable. I mean, that, that's just absolutely unacceptable. You know, Patrick Beverly for a while was out. He's come back. And he seems to be the guy that's the glue guy defensively gets everybody going. But um, yeah, I, I I don't understand that. It just didn't make any sense. Whatsoever. even if even if Paul or Kawhi or both don't play, uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me, especially when you're playing at home.
2: So are we going to hand Mark Pope the West Coast Conference Coach of the Year already?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably a little early for that. He, he's done a really good job, and uh, you know, as, as you look at BYU uh, analytics and everything else, I mean, they're a team that. Right now is in the NC2A tournament. Now there's there's a lot of games. I, I, what's interesting about this WCC, obviously Gonzaga's picked to win it every, each year, but I, I don't know if you were following those game scores. But I mean Pepperdine's down three twice in the last minute, minute and a half has a chance to tie or win that game. And uh, and I, I know the Pepperdine group really well, and uh, and they, they've got some seniors, Edwards, and, and and they've got a really good point guard there, but. Colby Ross, who had 24 points, but it's just interesting to see St. Mary's get beaten quadruple overtime uh, to UOP, a team that's really struggled this year. They're 14 and four, uh, but BYU's been really consistent, and uh, they, defensively, I mean, holding LM, and LMU is not very good, and they have a hard time making baskets. And but to hold that team to 38 points, you know, when BYU's winning 63 to 38, that's telling you that they don't need to score 80 or 90 to win. And because they are guarding and they've they've got kind of a toughness where they share the ball, they're playing smart. You know, they're doing the things they need to do. That's what veteran teams do. So, you know what, Uh, I I don't think you're going to get an argument from anybody that, you know what, BYU, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga's the the favorite, obviously, for the things they've done. But I, I wouldn't sleep on BYU. I wouldn't sleep on St. Mary's. I mean, look at UOP. I mean, there's there's teams you can play in this league if you're not ready to play, especially on the road. You're going to get beat. St. Mary's found that out in four overtimes. And uh, I think the thing that Gonzaga has is as they get healthy and get everybody back, they have some depth and and coming off the bench. But uh, I, I like I like BYU. Mark Mark's done a really good job. There, there's a lot of energy, and he's very fortunate to inherit a group of guys that are veterans, and then obviously getting Yoli to come back and having Jake Toulson and Alex, you know, uh, they're, they're, they've, they're playing well and they're playing well. We'll see what happens. They get their first big test against St. Mary's and you know, St. Mary's is going to be ready after losing a four overtime game to ULP. So that should be a great game to, uh, for BYU. BYU goes in there and wins. That makes a significant statement to the league that, Hey, we're playing for, you know, a WCC championship. Uh, But they've got to go in there and do that. I mean, for them to get to the next level in this league and they've never got to that tier where it was them and Gonzaga or them and St. Mary's coming down to the last week or two to win the league championship, a regular season. But a win on the road at St. Mary's makes a pretty big statement if they can do that.
0: So the Utes and the Aggies both lose at home to nationally ranked teams. I don't want you to use a phrase like moral victory or anything, but is there any uh, form of encouragement you can take out of either one of those games, or uh, those are just hard losses and you got to move on?
1: Well, I, I think you do recognize that they're playing really good teams, and uh, San Diego State. Wow, they have uh, they I mean, it's just conceivable they could go undefeated, and I mean, I just—I don't see that happen. I just can't imagine somebody that that team in that league. And go 16 games and not not lose a game because there's some tough places to play on the road. But San Diego State is is playing really well. So no, you know you don't go away from that game thinking, "Wow, we just got beat by somebody we shouldn't have got beat by." That's a really good basketball team. Same thing with Utah. You know, I mean, Utah had a good win against OSU and uh, and had opportunities. I mean, they shoot 30 percent from the three at home. That that killed them. And then they also got out rebounded which very seldom happens to Utah. But you know they're right there. Utah had a chance in the last two and a half minutes. They're down a basket, and, and uh, they just couldn't get over the top. The Oregon's obviously the fourth ranked team in the country. They're athletic and long. I think Coach Krsteljak and and, and uh, the youths have uh, I mean they've played to their potential. I mean they're playing six or seven guys, and uh, I really the the, the young man uh, young uh, it, as a young players come in, and Ryland Jones who's come in as a freshman. Uh, they've really had a big impact on that team. So, no, I mean, you, you hate to lose anything, any game, but they, they certainly, well, it's how they how they react and how they recover from those losses that's really going to determine how uh, what kind of season both those teams are going to have. I mean, everybody picked Utah State to win that conference. Right now, that doesn't appear to be the situation. They've had some close games. They've won close games. But uh, losing at home kind of makes a pretty strong statement for San Diego State winning the conference.
2: That Utah situation to me is fascinating because, you know, you were there for literally when it was at its peak and had to go up against it every year. And so, you know, you saw it firsthand. And obviously, you know, generationally, Utah fans expect to go to the NCAA tournament, if not even go to the Sweet 16. And so if they... I don't know that they'll get there this year. Currently, they're not in. No no one's in really, obviously, but their ranking and all that stuff would indicate that it's going to be hard. They still got work to do that can get them there. But if they don't, It'll be a streak of like four years that they haven't gone, but they got so many young guys. Do you see a potential sticky situation because it seems, as far as Larry's security, because it seems like with so many young guys, if he can get them to stay, they're on to something. But at the same time, it's been a number of years that they haven't been in the in the NCAA tournament.
1: No, I hear what you're saying. That would be the 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 biggest mistake that that institution ever met made if, if the hierarchy of that institution decides of Larry Kastowiak shouldn't be coaching. Uh, obviously, he, they, they've gone a few years. You're right, the expectations. Um, this is a time to be a little bit patient. This group, and, and I don't know all the names of the guys, but I've, I, I've followed them. They've, they've signed two really good freshman shooters coming in. Loner kid, that six, seven kid who was recruited by everybody. Uh, they've got some really good shooters coming into the program. They're not losing anything here. Uh, I, I think this is a team that, for sure, is an NC2. I mean, I I can't see them not getting into the NC2 tournament next year. I mean, I think they're a tournament team, and and it's not to say they couldn't get there this year. But you're right, the, it's a pretty uphill road, and the conference is better this year. But I think Larry's done one of his best coaching jobs this year. So I I, I get what you're saying, and there's always all sorts of noise from the fan base and from social media, but. Uh, uh, I've been around Larry a little bit uh, in, in the last few months, and I just feel like he's in, in maybe one of the best places he's ever been as a coach. And that team, they're very together. And uh, I just that that would be a colossal mistake to even even start that kind of tripping, especially if it came from the institution. Hey, it's going to come from the fan base. I mean, that's just part of, part of the business, you know. And you're right; those fans are spoiled. They've had great great teams there, and they've had a great run. and so It's a proud program for many years. But uh, this is not the time to be thinking about changing. When you actually have a really tight-knit group that are playing together, they believe in each other. I mean, they've competed. There have been very few games where they haven't been in games. And considering that they've got six or seven freshmen, and some of them even aren't really aren't even contributing as much as they will in the future. So, uh, no, I, I I like this team. I I think that uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament, but. At, at the end of the day, um, this, this, there's a nucleus here that can do special things the next couple of years. To mess that up would be a travesty.
0: You know, I think that, uh, man, I think a million things about this. Uh, I think that as much as Larry has been hurt by not going to the NCAA tournament these last three years, he's also been hurt because he violated Kyle Whittingham's role. Kyle Whittingham says when they take on a player as a transfer, especially if he comes with some baggage, if he's been in some trouble, on or off the field, whatever, he says, and he has said this multiple times, we don't become him, he becomes us. And when I first heard that, I thought, oh, it's just one of those things coaches say. But the more I listen to it, the more I think, that is probably what Larry did that got him in with hot water as, with fans as much as anything. We're not going to Utah State. It's a long-time tradition. He just broke it. We're not going to play Weber State anywhere, even at home. Another slab in the face. Then the BYU rivalry. None of this has to do with recruiting and winning directly, maybe indirectly, scheduling does. But he irritated a lot of people. And then he didn't go to the NCAA tournament on top of it. Now, there's something to be said for if you're going to go down, go down your way and go down swinging. And I've heard multiple coaches say that. But I also think Donnie Daniels gets it. He gets Utah because he's been here, and he gets college basketball because Utah, UCLA, and Gonzaga have all had their best runs in the last 30 years and gone Final Four with Donnie on the staff, and they haven't done it without him. Donnie must know something. You don't get lucky like that three times in a row. He's got to know something. Do you think Larry'll listen to Donnie and not have any more um, self-imposed problems?
1: Let me tell you this: I, 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 am you know I'm glad you mentioned that because you're spot on. Uh, I, I was around the program a little bit early in the preseason and I had a chance to, to talk to the coaches and 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 I, I've known Donnie a long time, and Donnie and I had a chance to kind of reconnect and. It was, uh, it was a great thing, and Donnie is a great person for that staff. But I, I don't know that the culture of this program, you look at the last two or three years, it's never been better right now. And, and certainly Donnie is, is, a, is a resource, and he has so much experience. And obviously, you know, the, all, the whole coaching staff, I mean, Tommy Connors has been there a long time. These are bright coaches that understand it. but the Donnie Daniels does, does bring a perspective there in terms of the culture, in terms of the relationships. And he's someone that, that Larry respects, and and that's why he's there. That's why he's there. And there have been some issues the last couple of years of losing kids, and and some of them weren't great citizens. They weren't great people that you'd want in your program. So, you know, you, 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 the, the comments that you made are right. I mean, you got you come to our program. This is how we, this is what our culture is. This is how we do things every day. This is how we play. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe that conversation, that narrative never took place. You know, it's like, hey, we're, we know he can play. We're excited to have him. But the guy doesn't buy in. And uh, that can destroy a team. But that's not this team. This team has a culture. They have a group. And Donnie Daniels is a big part of that. And I think what happens, and I, I, I listen, I was a head coach for most of my life in high school and junior college and Division One, And uh, you head coaches who don't listen to assistant coaches and don't involve them in that process and don't share ideas and, and aren't selfless in their ability to interact with other people uh, it's hard to last in this business and Larry's been in this business as a player and as a coach at, at every level uh, I think he understands that and uh, that's why I'm kinda, I just feel really good about this team and these guys just having seen that and I think Donnie Daniels does play a significant role in that
0: Steve, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Steve Cleveland here every week, our basketball insider. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah! And now, Attention. top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz are back in action tonight. They're in New Orleans to play the Pelicans. The game tips off at 6 o'clock on at and T Sportsnet. The zone's coverage begins at 5 o'clock with the pregame show. Waiting for the press conference to get underway to a tongue of at 10 o'clock today. The Alabama quarterback is going to announce his decision to stay and play another year at the Crimson Tide or go off to the NFL for his senior season. Javelin Guidry announcing over the weekend that he will leave the University of Utah after his junior campaign and turn pro. Fifth defensive back the Utes are going to lose. There's going to be some rebuilding to do there. Top of the wire. Brought to you by Ken Garf, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. The savings are on at Ken Garf, West Valley Jeep. Get a new Jeep for less with Employee Pricing Plus when you stop by during the Big Finish event. Visit us today. The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Howard Beck from Bleacher Report. Is Rudy's national reputation underrated? I think he hasn't gotten all the
2: recognition that he has earned. I also think there's a numbers game involved. You point to Ben Wallace to Kevin Matumbo. Those are fine examples, but when they were playing, the position of center was on the all-star ballot. It's not anymore. So when you make it just front court, now you're competing against LeBron James,
0: Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and on and on and on. That makes it harder. If center were still a position to vote on, maybe Gobert would have already made it a couple of times instead of just being an annual. Debate. Turn this Catch the big show presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
2: Brady in the end zone takes the snap, looks,
0: fires, pass, batted up in the air, intercepted, and returned for a touchdown. Titans Logan Ryan with nine seconds to go. NFL playoffs, and then there were eight, and the New England Patriots are out in overtime. Actually, they were not out in overtime. It was the uh, Saints who went out in overtime and the Bills, but that was with uh, nine seconds left there right at the end of regulation in a one-point game. Couldn't score a point in the second half. Couldn't get a yard in the first half, PK, when they could have been up by ten. Could have been a game-changer in the goal-line stand. Swung things.
2: Yeah, anytime a goal line tent stand swings things, you know it's
0: it's big. Taysom Hill. Awesome fourth quarter. All for naught. Throwing it, running it, catching it, threw a fifty yard pass, caught a touchdown pass. Had a big run that was undone by a Drew Brees fumble. The team that doesn't turn it over turns it over. Yeah, I don't know that it was all for naught because I think you're
2: always building. And so, like, see if they can use him more for next year and get him more of a weapon, get him more involved because he is a truly one-of-a-kind talent. And I've always thought that they've underutilized him because he could do way more. He could be on the field way more. He could be – It just – he seems like he's on the field for about ten plays and it's cool and it's different, but he's a weapon that I think is underutilized. You see something to the forty-year-old quarterbacks losing? The same weekend we had three of them
0: change into the guard. Has to happen eventually. is just a backup, right? Roethlisberger with the injury, Brady at forty-two. Now there's stuff out there this morning that. Uh, And this is why Bill Belichick doesn't want to get out in front of something on the podium because he's not sure what his owner is going to blurt out. But Robert Kraft uh, is hoping that Tom will be back, and Tom's hoping to be back. So I guess we can not worry about Tom's last pass was a pick six. Oh, that doesn't matter. I know it doesn't. He's got nine trips to the Super Bowl and six wins. Guys, guys got as many Super Bowl wins and Super Bowl trips as John Elway and Joe Montana combined. I wonder, though...
2: If the team is good enough too to get them, a, because it's yeah. not just him. It's hard to maintain and they've done a great job of maintaining for such a long time. And really, it's one of a kind in my lifetime. I don't know if there's been others to about this much success this consistently over this period of time.
0: Not over 20 years. Uh, I mean, the Packers had a legendary run in the 60s. And the team isn't good enough. They have one receiver you can count on, Uh, the offensive line. I don't want to put it on the running backs. When you've got first and goal at the one and you run it three times, the offensive line ought to get you into the end zone. And they couldn't do it. So, no, I I don't think they run block well enough. I don't think they have enough receivers for him to go to. So the offense, they really missed Gronk. But I don't think Gronk would have won a Super Bowl. He might have won them the Miami game so that they got a bye, and he might have won the Tennessee game to get them deeper into the playoffs. But I think they're more than a guy away right now in offense. Yeah, but he's
2: retired. Yep. um,
0: You miss him, you miss him. He's not coming back. Javelin Guidry going pro. Big old rebuild job there in the secondary. I mean, it was already a big rebuild job. But three seniors, a couple of juniors turning pro.
2: Yeah, more than three seniors, but unless you're talking about specifically the defensive backfield. I was
0: talking about in the defensive backfield. You're right. It is more than three seniors. They're losing a senior linebacker. They're losing at least a couple seniors. No, three on the D-line? Three. Yeah, three, three on the D-line. So plenty yeah. of work to be done.
2: That's the reality of uh, college football, though. You know, who's losing what? And who do you have coming in to to replace them? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the good thing for the Utes is that it doesn't seem like there's a team that is just far and away better than everybody else in the South. Right now, anyway. I mean, we haven't even started. The, today's the first day of winter workouts, so you've got so much time to go. For some of them, for others, they're not even in school yet. Uh, so I, I see no reason why they're not in the mix. They're, they're probably not bludgeoning teams to where I'm sending Yach my nightly column in the third quarter and say fill in the score. I'm not going to be paying attention for that the next quarter this and a half. Year.
0: UCLA's <laughs> beaten. Let's move it along. This happened a lot this year. Yeah,
2: I mean, hardly anything came down to the end, including the games they lost. Correct. <laughs> the if they lost, they ones. lost early. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, let's list all their dramatic games. Well, I mean, I've well, seen
2: Washington, really. Yeah. And Washington was so-so. It was a dramatic win. But it was a game in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, but I felt that they were going to win in the fourth quarter.
0: I get it, but they could have messed it up in the fourth quarter. They literally could not have messed up some of these other games in the fourth quarter. Uh, win or
2: lose, they couldn't have come from
0: behind. They couldn't have come from behind against Oregon and Texas. They were right. done. When right. the fourth quarter kicked off in the Alamo Dome, nobody was sitting there thinking the Utes are about to win this.
2: No, no, not at all. There was not, in the individual games, there was not a whole lot of drama this year. In in that way, the, the fourth
0: quarters were snooze fest, good and bad. Mostly good, but a couple of bad, obviously. We didn't know that BYU game with that uh, weather delay was setting the tone for the year, but it was setting the tone for the year. Yeah. I don't remember much after the weather delay. I remember the Utes took the ball, drove forever, and it ran nine, it minutes. nine minutes, nine off the clock. plus minutes, and the right? But over. like in other games, you can like visualize yes. plays. But even if it's a blowout touchdown, that drive like, was sucked the life uh, out of the, everything. The
2: play that I can recall is the Bernard interception return. That was the big one. Yep. Yeah, that turned the tide of that right was, game. That was the momentum changer in that individual game. But, yeah, there's not a a whole lot of individual plays that you took from the season because they were such drastic beatdowns from both directions. And that's very, very unusual. And next year, in order to have success that we'd like to see them have, they're probably going to have to win some close games.
0: Yeah, this was was a weird year. Because
2: they never ran a kicker out there to kick a big kick the whole season. That's crazy. You know, it never happened and they were either totally in control or, in the last two, totally out of control or out of contention to win the game. Next year, I suspect that'll change. But I'm not going to write them off by any stretch, even though they're returning or they're losing, I should say, a million guys. Yeah, I, I won't pick them to the level of this season, but that's what it's about, man. This, I would be more inclined to say this is a rebuilding year I but this inter- quarterback coming in, to me, potentially, not necessarily definitely, so that's but potentially the difference. changes everything.
0: That's the difference between 2017 and 2020. Correct. Because in 2017, you were pumping the brakes hard. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying they're going to have the year that they just finished. Because the thing about 2017, now it turned out that Huntley was the starting quarterback, but they had Troy Williams. I mean, they had a guy who won a bunch of games. They could have played him in his senior year. Now... Kyle was investing in 2018 and 19, so
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and it worked. Uh, yeah, but now you're bringing in someone who's got a ton of experience in the SEC. I mean, they literally never had right, that. If he starts, if he starts, right,
0: right. I mean, it could be a Troy Williams situation where he ends up being the backup and he starts a couple games because the other guys hurt. I don't know. I don't know either. But you're right. I don't anticipate that, but I don't know, Kyle. Probably has an idea, but I'd be surprised if he had more than an idea. Well, normally in these situations, you just take it on
2: face value, and the kid's not coming here to be a backup. Uh, you know, it's not a Cooper Bateman situation. Uh, I agree with that. And right? But, he started 33 games. But in He's got to win the job. I right. don't think he's Kyle's just going to say, "Here you go, buddy." And Andy's not going to say, yeah, all right. Well, the thing is, he may I? really
0: have to throw the, uh, the to use the fight analogy, yeah, I may mean, have to throw the knockout punch here the same way Troy had to. It's like, Troy, if we don't think we can have a big year here, we might as well go with the young guy. And so, and they did. Now, when Troy got a chance to play, he still played well. I mean, the USC game was wildly entertaining, even though they got stopped on the two point conversion. So, same thing here. Uh-huh. Do they have enough to be really good? Because if not, they might as well go with the younger guy. That's. That's the problem with coming here as a grad transfer.
2: Well, on That's- the surface, so, so way early, it seems like they have enough to have eight regular season wins.
0: And then you got to consider how good do you think USC and Arizona State are going to be, and at that point, if you can do that, how close are you to winning the division? Because that and would they, suggest in the hunt. that would suggest five and four, which won't get it done, but it'll get you close. You're like, okay, now is there a way to swing a game or? I don't two?
2: see an eight and one team coming out of the South.
0: <clears throat> right, but SC went seven and two. They like got a lot of guys back. I understand. But they're also losing a few guys, and apparently this recruiting class is low on impact guys. So maybe they can't do 7-2 and two again.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, and, it's a year where six yeah, and three and, wins and, the division, and, and again. some other teams around them will be better. I think the Devils will be better. I think Colorado will be better, even though they're breaking in a brand new quarterback and losing a, a top notch receiver. The and, whiskey, yeah. Uh, and then I have to see, uh, you know, in the in the North, I think some teams. I think so obviously Stanford will be better. I think Cal will be better. Look out for Cal and keep
0: the quarterback um, back. To we were talking quarterback decision makings and Wyoming running. State will be better uh, when 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 uh, Gruber's is uh, healthy. There at Cal, seven and zero. And when he doesn't start or finish the game, they're 1-5. It's night and day. They need him. All right, we talked a lot about the Jazz this morning, getting you caught up to date on them, winners of five in a row, 10 of 11, beating bad teams, splitting with the two good teams they played in this run and cleaning up on everybody else, which we just had Steve Cleveland on. Even he was shocked at the Clippers. Lost a game and gave up a gazillion points. They've laid some eggs against you know at home against a lottery team, but the Lakers and the Bucks, who are in the top spot in their respective conferences, they're both undefeated against teams with losing records. So if you want to keep pace with the big dogs, you got to win these games. Pelicans tonight, Jazz trying to sweep the road trip, a perfect three and zero. I think they get it. I expect them to too. Shooting the three at an all world pace. Over 38%, number one in the NBA. have got four guys shooting over 40%, which is excellent. They don't all show up in the league leaders because Niang hasn't played enough and had enough shots yet, but he's been killing it there, 45%. Just doesn't have the qualifying number to get you know, to be in, among the league leaders. The other three guys are listed, and you can look them up. Mm-hmm. Joe Ingles is above 40 after a slow start. Shooting 53% for the month of December will do that. Got any worries about tonight's game? Anything specific? Uh,
2: I always have concerns because it's the NBA, and every team or virtually every team in the NBA has players. Drew Holiday is a player in this league. Uh, Brandon Ingram now, you know, he's asserting himself at uh, right around 25 a game. So, yes, certainly I have concerns
0: uh, because this is the NBA. We talked a little college basketball with Steve Cleveland, and you brought up uh, Coach of the Year. So it comes down to BYU or UOP? Pacific? Already with 14 wins and a quadruple overtime win over St. Mary's? Well, I'm never going to give it to a U of A alum. That's just not a <laughs> <laughs> Just draw the line there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're a Wildcat. You're DQ'd from the start. Right. But we won 30 games. Whatever. I'll give it to the other Wildcat. The other Wildcat? Kentucky Wildcat Mark Pope
2: And then Mike McCarthy Being chosen to coach The Cowboys
0: Yes That news breaking About uh, 8 o'clock This morning The former Packer coach Is the Cowboys New coach Logical Yeah Safe Safe He's got something to prove Gotta like that Probably got a chip On his shoulder After the way it ended In Green Bay Yes I think everybody does At that level Yeah I think you have to But sure so that's good. Uh-huh. He, he got a good quarterback. He got a good running back. What can he do yeah. with him now? I don't believe in Dak Prescott that much, though. Didn't say he had a great quarterback, but he's got a good one. You could have a worse situation in the NFL. Name me. Um, any of the bottom feeders? Name me. Cincinnati. <laughs> Are Cle- you kidding? Cleveland. Cleveland? Would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Prescott.
2: I'd rather have Baker Mayfield all the way.
0: <laughs> the amount of money they're going to have to invest in Dak soon is going to hurt them, too. Broncos. Broncos?
2: Come yeah. on. Drew Locke's Drew Locke? <laughs> you see him at the end of this season? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Screw uh, on the sidelines. Well,
0: Lions had Stafford hurt, so that doesn't really... Yeah, leave, leave Matthew Stafford out of this that one. That doesn't really count. Roethlisberger was hurt in Pittsburgh, too. Giants. Giants? You'd rather have Daniel Jones?
2: Okay. Jacksonville Jaguars. He is the one DJ I would
0: like to work with. Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston. You want the 30 touchdowns? (laughs) Give me a 30-30. Or the 30 picks. That's up to the coaching, man.
2: Coach him up a little bit better. He won't have as many.
0: All right, DJ PK, it's (laughs) 97.5. Way to put it on, Bruce. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. That's some of the stuff we've been talking about. And it is brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. The feedback of the day next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback. And it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Ingles creeping above 40% after being well below 35% for most of the season just shows how bonkers he's been from three lately. Jabberjazz tweeting that at us.
2: I think that does show, but it also shows
0: that the law of averages in terms of where you're supposed to be relative to your talent is going to play out. When you're a 300 hitter and you hit 200 for a month, you're probably going to hit 400 for a month. Yeah, if you've got a track record. And he's not going to keep shooting 53 percent either, because he's not a 53 percent shooter. Well, I mean, I think Kyle Korver—that's about the NBA record. The thing that
2: I like when he's putting the ball up, man, he just seems like he's playing with such confidence. Everything about the stroke, there's no hesitancy. And sometimes, you know, when he was in a little bit of a slump, he would be exasperated if he missed. And now it's like, oh wow, I missed. You know, obviously going to miss shots. I think clearly at 32 32 years of age, Joe Ingles is playing his best ball, which is not surprising because it's got the best collection of talent around him, and we've talked about this at length, how he's better individually and he makes the group better when the group collectively itself is better, and that's what we're seeing.
0: And I know uh, people say, ah, 32, though, you can start to slip. Yeah, if you came into the NBA at uh, 18, 19, 20, you played a gazillion minutes, but playing, uh, playing overseas, they don't play as many games, hasn't played as many minutes. It stands to reason that his prime will last a couple years longer than somebody who was playing big minutes when they were 19 years old.
2: What's he got, three years left? Because he has one year left in the original deal and they extended him two? Is that what it is? I'll have to check for that. Yeah. So I could see that being uh, very
0: close. And then, you know, after that, well, then it's... Well, we'll see when we get there. It, yeah, it, it depends. You are spot-on. Summer of 2022. Right. So
2: when that time comes around, you know, that may be another story. Um, LeBron is 35, and he's just going nuts. And then you've seen other big-time players who, at 35,
0: were done. Yeah. Well, he'll... He'll still be uh, tall and long, and he'll still be able to shoot. It'll come down to whether he can stay in front of people defensively. But that's two and a half years from now, so Mm -hmm. we can worry about that a little ways down the road. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of people reacting to the news that uh, the Jazz have four players shooting over 40%. I think people knew they were shooting the three well. I don't think that really sunk in. We had a guy tweet out, because we were talking about it, and he had tweeted out the four guys and all their numbers. Yang's at 45%, O'Neal's at 43 Bogdanovich at 42 and Joe's at 40.1%. And I said there's usually 30 to 40 guys in NBA season who shoot 40%. So just as a round number... Because, I mean, who cares if a guy shoots 39-8 for a really good team? But this is a round number of, you know, when you're really good, 40 is a number to look for. Right now, there's 33 guys. The Jazz have three of them. The fourth one, Niang, isn't on the list because he hasn't taken enough three-pointers yet. But if he keeps it up, he's got the expanded role now. He's obviously got the green light. And obviously, when he's on the floor a lot of times, people are like, oh, well, we got to leave that guy. Yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. But they're running in the pick and roll and making... Uh, and, and making the guy who's defending him choose, do I help when Donovan Mitchell's driving or do I go out on Yang? So it may be that Yang starts shooting less, but we start seeing Donovan Mitchell get more layups and dunks. We'll have to see what the Pelicans choose to do tonight. All right, we're out of time. Tony Noster coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.